Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be encouraged in your journey and that your relationship with Father God will be strengthened and deepened. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. It's good to be here. It's good to see you guys. It's uh, been a different journey for me uh, in the last months. And uh, for those that do not know, well, uh, if you're a visitor here, welcome. I'm part of the pastoral team here. And uh, in June, I, uh, we, our family was hit with COVID, and then uh, we thought that we would just move on from there, and what happened is that I have, I developed some sores into my mouth, and my throat, and my digestive system, and it really took me uh, off my game, or throw me, or brought me to uh, the sideline, and I've never experienced that in my life. I've been preaching since uh, full-time, uh, since 30, makes 33 years, it was the first time that I was forced to go on the sidelines. So it's been been hard. It's been challenging. First, I thank you for your prayers, uh, for the elders, for their support, for the staff that jumped in, and for all the friends and all of you that have been there. Thank you so much. And this is where you see the value of a church. Uh, of, of friends, and, and this is why we're here. It's to walk together and to journey together, and it's when you are in a crisis that you really realize that you need other people in your life. And, uh, and so I, I'd like to share my heart to you. There's a message I wanted to preach a few weeks ago, and I was always postponing, postponing, because I didn't know how my mouth was going to be. I'm still struggling with, with it. Uh, I got the good news this week that uh, I was able to rule out cancer because I was in the air. So now that's uh, on the side. So it's not cancer now. It's to look at what is causing this uh, with my immune system. We don't really know. So I'm still dealing with sores in my mouth uh, all the time. And so I've lost a few pounds, as you can see. Uh, the thing is, it was a forced diet. <clears throat> and I don't encourage you to have that kind of a diet because it's not fun. But in all this, God has been faithful and looking forward for what God has in store. And um, I just want to share my heart to you, part of this journey, what I've, uh, uh, what I've learned and uh, what I'm continuing uh, to learn when it comes to going through trials and, and challenges and not knowing uh, where you're going because that was one of the biggest challenges. Like when this happened, um, it's like uh, if uh, you are a mechanic or you're a builder and you can't use your hands, then what, right? For me, my mouth is quite important to be a pastor, as you probably know. And now my tool or what I use uh, is limited, and it's I've got to... Uh, I've got to watch how much I speak because I pay later on, uh, or I've got to watch what I eat because later on I pay, so, so I've got to pace myself, and maybe that's a good thing because I've always been a talker, now I've got to be more of a listener, and uh, it, it's not a bad thing, but what I'd like to convey to you today is a few thoughts that, uh, that really uh, rang in my heart in this time where I was on the sideline and uh, where I was able to converse with the Lord and say, God, what are you up to? What do you want to do? And I think it can be applied in your own life as, as, you, uh, uh, as you open up. Uh, sometimes when you are in your prime and, and uh, when you're young, a little younger, you think nothing will happen to you, right? And you think that you're a machine, but the reality is we're no machine. We're humans, and we have, uh, we have some... Um, uh, we, we're fragile, and that's what I realized in this journey, how fragile we are. 
And, uh, and what we're called to do is to live a life of surrender and faith. Do you find it's sometimes hard to live both at the same time? Live a life of surrender where you say, God, everything is in your hands. And at the same time, walking a walk of faith where you trust God, right? And that's kind of what I really, really caught, that I need to live a life of surrender to say, God, whatever you have in store for me, it's fine. I trust in you. I believe in you. And I know that you will carry me through. At the same time, to live a walk of faith where you believe that God is not done with you, believe that God has a calling on you, and you stay focused on the prize, keeping your eyes on the altar and the perfecter of our faith. And this is sometimes a, is a balancing act to let go and trust, right? I don't know if you've been there where you have to let go and say, God, it's in your hands, but at the same time to take hold faith and believe that Father is there and Father has a plan and it's all going to work well if I trust in him. So one of the things that really, uh, really resonated in my heart is, is uh, what really matters uh, when it comes to life, what really, really matters. And, and we've been, we went through some challenges in the last year and a half, right? And one of the biggest challenges that I faced and probably you're facing or you faced is how sometimes we are polarized and how much we have, uh, we live in a canceling culture. Canceling culture is that you walk with people that agree with you and then you push aside people that don't agree with you. And we see this in society, and there's so many examples of that in our society and the culture we live in. We live in a, in a canceling culture, but one of the dangers is when that culture filtrates in the church. When we embrace this canceling culture where, peop where people don't think like me or don't have the same viewpoint as I do, then I cancel them out. I push them away, and I pretend they're not there, and, you're, and, you, and you try to do your life, and you try to pursue God's gold without having them in your life and ignoring them. And that's a danger, I believe, that is before us as we're going forward. One of the questions I had when I was on the sideline was, God, how do you want me to pastor the church when people are polarized? And I could give an example that you probably heard or you're probably dealing with uh, when it comes to the vaccination, pro or against and all of that and what happens in the family when it comes to that, how do you handle this? And, and so, so the thing is, as we live in this canceling culture, it's easy for us to have that, th that, that mindset. And as I was sitting down, I was saying, God, how do you want me to pastor and try to bring people together? First, for my own life, where did I take offense when it comes to what people have said and what people have done when it comes to whatever, whatever streams and whatever fraction or uh, whatever people stand? What do I do with that? And I realized that I had taken offense by what people had said and people had done. And I was leaning towards a canceling mindset of saying, you know, I push them away, pretend they're not there. And God really reprimanded me. And I was saying, God, what do you want me to do after all this? And as I'm dealing with the struggle with my mouth, I, and God was really speak, speaking to me as, I've walked with you at your worst. I've walked with you when you were not 
totally aligned with, with my will. I, I walk with you when you were distant. I walk with you when you looked at your own strength instead of trusting God. I was always there for you, and why wouldn't you be the same? And I was really rocked in my life because I was like, how can I pastor when I see that much tension and how people are polarized and I have my own conviction? So what do I do with that? God really spoke to me and said, you know the way to go? It's the way of love. It's to love people with all your heart. Like there's the call that we have to love God, right? We know that. The tremendous call to love God with all your life and to commit your life to Christ and to live life with open hands and and to say, God, I love you. Help me to love you purely. But there's also the call of loving on people no matter what, as I am loved and I, as I was loved. And I think it's so easy to get caught, like I said, in this cancer culture or to be uh, led by our own conviction and forgetting uh, the, big, the big picture, and that picture is that people matter. Uh, what really resonated in my heart is I take things for granted. Like I was watching a commercial uh, with my wife sometime last week, and I saw someone, I think they were promoting uh, toothpaste, and the person was just brushing their teeth. I said, oh, I wish I could do that. Like when it comes to brushing my teeth, it's like, Takes me forever, and it's it's painful. And I was saying, oh, I wish I could brush my teeth and talk at the same time. It would be so amazing. And, and we take things for granted. And sometimes when things happen to you, you realize the little things in life how special they are. But also, one one of the things that we we do also is we take people for granted. When it's all said and done, what's the most important thing in life is people. So we're not called to reject people. We're not called to tag, be, tag people. We're not called to have our own diagnostic of what, what people, who, who people are and put them into a box. We're called to love on people. That's the mandate that we have. I look at Jesus when he said on the Sermon on the Mountain, what, what I did in my own time, I focused and I'll probably, probably will do in the next year a series on the Sermon of the Mountain. I read the Sermon of the, uh, of the Mountain, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 from the Message Version. I don't really read the Message Version, but I read it and it really rocked me because it talks about the love that you should have for, for other people. And in that in that sermon, you, you can see Jesus extending the love to other people beyond where people are at. And, and I think that's the mandate that we have. It's, it's to love people no matter what and to, and to extend a hand of grace to people that are around us. So that is the rhema I would like to share to you. And one of the texts that I wanted to share to you is, is the heart of God, what God wants to do in our lives when it comes to our relationship, when it comes to other people that are around us. And, and the verse that I wanted to share a long time ago, from, from a long time ago, is Psalm 133, verse 1 to 3. It's kind of a, a, a psalm that... Uh, uh, that, that is easy to read. It's, it, it's short to read, and you can have you can read this song, the, the, this psalm in, in your devotion, and, and you can say to someone, "Yeah, I read a psalm today, but it only has three verses, so it's a very short one." But it's an awesome one, and you heard it before. It, it talks about unity. It talks 
on other people of other people. And we can't lose the focus of other people. Doesn't matter what you're going through. Doesn't matter what people are saying. It doesn't matter what people are thinking. Doesn't matter how people are walking. We're always called to be an extension of Christ. And we're called to show love like never before. And to value people. I think that's the most important thing. It's to value people. In Psalm 133 verse 1, it says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. And David is pumped of this. How beautiful when people live together in unity. How good and pleasant. And he gives two illustrations. The first one, it says, It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. In verse 3 it says, It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Beautiful text about uh, the people coming together. And the, the beauty with this text, it's an it's a ascending uh, song, meaning that people were called to go to Jerusalem. If you go to Israel, you'll see that to go to Jerusalem, it's a good climb. If you go to Jericho, to, to Jerusalem, it's a good climb. You, you go up there. And, and so David is looking at Israel because he's excited about Israel. He's the king of Israel. And one of the beauty uh, that happened under his leadership is that he brought, or God brought, the 12 tribes together. And they were unified. And now the call was to go to Jerusalem and bring sacrifice and especially bring worship. And here, David looks at the people that are coming from all different sections or places uh, in Israel, and they're all going to the temple to bring sacrifices or to bring worship, especially worship. And, and they came from different backgrounds, different clans, different uh, tribes, and they all came together. And from the king's perspective, as he looks, he sees, wow, this is so super to see all the people coming from maybe different conviction, maybe coming from a different background, social status, and they're all coming together and they're coming to worship the Lord. And he's pumped by that. And I believe that's the heart of God, right? Where we all come together, even though there might be differences, even though we might have different conviction, and what really unites us and brings us together, it's a temple. It really does. What unites us, it's Jesus. And what brings us closer is Jesus. And, and when, it comes to, uh, when it comes to crisis, you know what crisis sometimes they do? They throw you off course. I know that when I was hit with this crisis, basically overnight I had, I don't know how many sores that came in my mouth. And uh, after last night speaking, there's another big one that came out. Uh, you know what happens? It throws me off my game. It throws me off my focus. And when we go through crisis, it can throw you off your focus. It makes you focus on your crisis. It makes you focus on other stuff than Jesus. And you have to force yourself back into focus. Have you ever been there? You gotta force yourself back into focus and say, if I focus on this, it's not gonna be healthy. When when I saw the doctor and he looked at my mouth and he gave me some medication thinking it was fungal and, and it didn't go, and then he said, well, it might be something else. And then 
then went for a biopsy to check if it was cancer, and I had to wait for six weeks to see if it was cancer or not. It plays in your head. And you think about all the negativity of all the possibility, and you feel weak, and, and because you don't eat properly, and because your whole system is affected, it really plays. And it's easy to take a path and to go on the dark, the dark side. <laughs> Watch too much towers, I guess. You, you go on the dark side. You, you don't want to fall on the dark side, right? And you know what crises do, right? And you might have uh, a relational crisis, you might have a physical crisis, financial crisis, and it's so important for us not to lose sight. And, and there's so many different voices and so many attention, and now since we have the internet, it's so easy to find stuff to scare you off big time, right? I started to picture or see pictures of people that have cancer in their mouth. <gasps> I saw the same thing in my mouth. So then, right? It's the same thing. We, we, we have so much information, and I think that's the problem that we have in our society today. We have so much information, but we don't have the maturity. Listen, we don't have the maturity to filter what we hear and see. We don't have that maturity. I believe that technology went beyond what we can handle in our maturity. And it showed in me when it came to having access to all this info, I had to say, whoa, Buck, settle down because it's going to steal my joy and steal my peace. I've got, a, on, I've got to focus on who my Jesus is, I've got to focus on what God has in store for me. It's so important, right? So Psalm 33 gives a picture of what David was so excited about. He was excited to see people come together. He was excited to see people come together even though they came from different regions. And they came with one focus. It's to give glory and praise to his beloved God. The one that he danced before. The one that he sacrificed his life when it came to preparing to build a temple. It was his main focus, and that's what he wanted to see. Was he a perfect man? No. We know of his errors and mistakes, but he had a heart for God. It was focus on God. It's important for us never to lose our focus on God. And our goal is to draw people to God all the time. It doesn't matter where they're from. It doesn't matter what they went through. If you look at verse 1, it says, how good and pleasant it's when brothers live together in unity. How good and pleasant. The, the word good, it's more than just good. Um, you think about the, the young rich ruler that came to see Jesus, and he said, good master, what should I, what should I do? What, shall, what should I do to have eternal life? And Jesus stopped him and, and said, what do you mean, good master? Why do you call me good? There's only God that is good. So when you look at the word good here, it's a reference to God. It, it, it refers to who God is. It's like when God uh, created the heaven and the earth, he said it was good. And when he made humanity, it said, he said it was very good. So it's God's blessing. When it says here it is good, it is God's desire or God's heart that we find, meaning this is what God wants to see. So it's more than just good. It, it's God's perspective and God's desire, God's... Uh, uh, God's uh, um, uh, that's what he wants to see when it comes to us. He wants us to live in harmony. He wants us to walk in unity even though we might have differences. 
And, and, and so it's good. And then he says, it is pleasant. And the word pleasant means that is, it's, what is, it's a good atmosphere, right? You, you know what it is when there's some tension, right? You know how it is in your marriage when there's some tension, you know how it is when there's tension in your family. You know how it is when there's some tension at work. You know what it is when there's some tension in, 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 in with your kids. You know what tension is, and it's, it's, it's difficult. I, I would say that in my journey, and maybe you can second me, all the hardest spot as a pastor and in my life, the hardest times when, was when I, had, I was going through conflicts. Hardest thing in life. What stole my sleep, brought a level of stress that was beyond and, and that really affected me the most is when there's conflict in my relationships. And it's probably the same thing with you. Like you got knots in your stomach, you can't sleep, you're anxious, and la, 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 la. You, you know the story, right? And, and, and so it's important to realize that when it says it is good and pleasant, it's God's design and God's intention and his desire for us to, to see this happen. But it, at the same time, it's pleasant because it's your environment. And, and, and when you live in tension, it's not fun. So David says how pleasant, uh, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to live, to live together. It, it's not here saying just touch and go or just for a little season live together. And, and, and that, doesn't come, that doesn't come easy, right? And that's what I like to unpack this morning. When it comes to living together, it, it's not easy to achieve unity or to achieve respect and honor, to, to, to achieve walking together, it doesn't happen by itself. I, I wish that it would happen by accident, but it, happened, it doesn't. It happens by, by design. It doesn't happen by default. It really happens by design. And, and so if you want to have healthy relationships, if you want to have an impact in the life of people that are around you, and if you want to have a good and pleasant, pleasant relationship, it's not going to happen by itself. It's going to need my involvement. It's going to need my participation. And, and it's where you ask God to step in and, and you, where you ask his help because I don't think I can do it on my own. And it's okay to admit that I can't do it, do it on my own. But, but we have this calling of, of seeing Psalm 133 in our lives where, we, where it's good, where God is pleased, pleasant, where it's beneficial for me, and where, where it's fun to be in or to be at. And, and, and the call is to live together in unity. And how do we see this happen? Very good question, right? How do you see that happen? How do you see this happen? How can I go beyond my own terms? Like, I can walk in unity and harmony with other people when people think what I think and people do what I want them to do. Like, I have tremendous unity with my wife when she does everything that I want her to do. <laughs> tremendous unity. I am in heaven, right? She does everything that I say. I ask something and she just jumps. Wow, what a great unity, right? Where my kids, when they were young, they were aligned. I told them to pick up their toys and they would immediately, they would say, yes, sir. Yes, dad. Here I am. You know, this is beautiful unity, right? And that's the best unity you can have, we think. And sometimes we think this is what unity is all about. 
And so when someone doesn't do exactly what you want them to do or think the way you want them to do, what you do, you shun them. And you ignore them. You pretend they're not there. You get yourself another group of friends, right? And for sure, there's some differences. And for sure, sometimes there's belief. I'm not, I'm not generalizing everything. But what I'm saying is that I believe God wants us to go a little further. I believe that God wants us to love people no matter what, and even though they might go different, different than, than, than your way or think differently than you, that you're not called to close the book and just shut the door and block your ears and just move on. But to achieve unity, it's not a, an easy thing. I've got a few thoughts I want to share to you as I was dealing with all that. First of all, this was for me as I was thinking about how do I come back from the post-COVID situation as a pastor, the first, thing, the first thing I needed to see for my life is I needed to take initiative. I needed to initiate. Like I said, it doesn't happen by its own, but I need to initiate. I've got to do the first step. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. It's not easy to do the first step, right? It's not easy to do the first step. But the thing is, it's not going to happen by its own. Like, I experienced family drama in, in, my, in my past. I've experienced church drama. Uh, I, I know how that is. And, and one of the things, as I was looking at how can I pastor GMC in a proper way as I come back and as I'm sitting on the sideline, what I really got in my heart is, God, you, Claude, you got to initiate it. You got to do the legwork. You got to do the first step. And Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 really rocked me when it came to the message. It says, this is how I want you to conduct yourself in this matters. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work and, and work I'm sorry, and work things out with God. What Jesus is saying here is that you can't move on with God and ignore your relationships. You can't just move on with God and ignore your relationship. And that was kind of the rhema in my heart. I need to initiate it. I need to go beyond what I see or my interpretation of things or my own conviction. I've got to show love. No strings attached. Like Jesus showed me love, no strings attached. Like, I said that before you more than once. If I would be God over my own life, I would have given up a long time ago. I look at my stubbornness. I look at my pride. I look at my conditional, conditional walking with Jesus. I, I remember when I started to have these sores in my mouth, I was a little angry at God. Like, come on. Which I serve you and all this and why this? And, and then I start to have a little bit of independent spirit and say, you know, uh, my devotion, uh, you know. Like, it was weird and I caught myself doing this. What an idiot am I? And then you see God that is always there like a rock doesn't change, you know. Or you, you walk away from spending time with God and you do your own stuff and then you come back to him. It's like you never left. And it's so amazing. And then you embrace his grace. And then you're floored by his love, right? Like it says that his goodness leads you to repentance. 
He's so good, so patient, so caring. How, how can I close my heart and, and block him away from my life? I just can't because it's too, too, too awesome. So, so my first advice to you, it's take initiative. Like when it comes to people around you. Realize that we have this call of loving on people. And I know it's risky. You might get hurt. Well, Jesus got hurt, right? Imagine Jesus on the cross didn't take any offense, and he says, forgive them, Lord, after all what was done. It's unreal, right? I look at this, and I say, I can't do this. I know I can't, but God can in me by the Holy Spirit, right? The, the second thing I need to know is I need to nurture because when it comes to my, my relationship, when it comes to church, when it comes to people around us, um, it needs to be nurtured. I, I, I wish I, I would be, I, I, I could say, um, a uni, unified once, always unified. I wish I could say that. You know, when you are a couple that are on the stage and you pronounce your vows and you're all excited and you make this commitment for life, I wish that you only had to do that to see the, what you've said stay. But the reality, it's not like that, right? You have to renew your vows all the time. You got to remember of your vows. You got to nurture your vow because it's not because you said it once that it's all fixed and it's gonna be, it's gonna be easy, right? You know that when you leave this stage after you've said your vow, it's gonna be awesome. The honeymoon is, is fantastic, right? You keep yourself pure for that event and then woohoo, party and it's amazing, right? But after that, life comes in. Bills comes in, children comes in, challenges comes in, you, your background versus her background or his background, and, and we're all raised differently, and now we are wanting to raise our kids in some way, and we all have our own traditions, and our blah, 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 and then you have to adjust. It's not easy. But the thing is, we are called to nurture it, and it doesn't happen by itself, but it takes effort to nurture, when it says good and pleasant for brothers to live together, it ha doesn't happen by itself. It has to be nurtured. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourself together with peace. So uh, I won't go very long on that because of time, but binding yourself together with peace. I don't know if you ever watched this movie, What About Bob? It's really, I invite you to watch it. I don't say, I don't tell people to watch movies, but that is a funny one. But this Bob gets tied to the front of the boat because he's afraid of water. And they tie him like uh, uh, the lady there on the, on the um, uh, I forget, uh, on like, uh, what's, the, what's the boat, the Titanic, when she's in the front there, you know that movie? And, and so, but instead of being like this, he's tied down to the post in front of the boat because he's afraid of the water. But when I, I look at this, bind yourself together with peace. Binding yourself together with peace is something you do. It's not something that happens. It's something that you do. You decide to do it. You commit to do it. It's beyond your feelings. It's beyond your wants. It's a question of obedience. It's a question of surrender. It's a question of letting go. And it's not natural to us. Hmm. It's not natural to you. Because the natural would react or respond in the flesh and do something based on what was done. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. 
And Jesus came just to say it doesn't work like that. So make every effort, every effort, make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourself together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for your future. And I think it's a powerful verse. The other thing is it involves sacrifices. If you want to walk in unity and you want to be an an ambassador of love and to reach people, it's going to cost you something. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen overnight, but at the same time, it's not going to happen by itself. And Jesus, in Matthew 18, talks about forgiveness. And he says, you got to forgive. And forgiveness is an awesome concept, but boy, is it hard to live. Really, right? It's hard to... Um, to cancel words that were said to you. It's hard to cancel faces that were done done to you. It's hard to cancel actions that were done to you and to bring it at the feet of Jesus. It's not an easy thing. It's, it's, It's a battle, right? And then you got Jesus talking with his disciples in the concept of the Old Testament. Forgiving once was one thing. Forgiving twice was an awesome thing. But... At the third time, you can hit someone in the face, just as a joke. It doesn't say that. That's my interpretation. You can almost wait for someone to, to do the mistake three times, and at the third time, ha-ha, watch out. You'll have a black eye, or you'll, you'll lose a, a few teeth. So Peter is there, and he's saying to Jesus, goes beyond the law, the expectation. How many times should I forgive? Three times. And you know the story. Right? You know what I'm going to say now, right? And Jesus says, well, forgive seven times, 70 times. Meaning, another version will say 70, 70, seven times 70, 77. The, the meaning is that it doesn't matter the number. The focus was that you're called to forgive all the time. All the time. It doesn't mean to be stupid here, where if, so, if you're in a place of abuse, that you put yourself in the place of abuse again to say, oh, I've got to, no, there's, 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 there's a... There's, uh, there's some responsibilities that needs to be taken, especially when, you, when it comes to your kids and so on. But what I'm trying to say here is that when it comes to walking in unity and when it comes to loving on people, you've got to forgive. It won't work if you don't forgive. That's a topic on its own, and I'm running out of time this morning. But it's important to realize that if we want to um, walk in unity and we want to make a difference in the life of people that are around us, I've got to forgive. I've got to let go. I need grace. Number four, I need grace. I need to remember where I'm from. And the only difference between a sinner and a saint is grace. I like to say the only difference between allegiant hall and the church it's grace. Nothing more, nothing less. If we think there's more than we are, we're, we, are, we are religious and we think that we've achieved what we've experienced. Think about the worst place that you see in society or the worst, the, the, the worst sinful place that you have on this planet versus the church. The only difference, the only difference it's grace. It's not your works. It's not what you've done. It's grace. And, and when we remember this, it keeps us humble. And when we forget it, we walk in pride and we look down. 
we got to realize where we're from. And we got to realize that what we stand on, it's not because of what we've achieved, but only because of grace. And how God is patient, and how God loves us. And if we remove grace, there's nothing left. So I need to remember that it's all about grace. I, my number five is I need to take ownership, or I need to own up to my humanity, and also accepting the humanity of others. The reality is I have issues. I have blind spots. And I need to admit that, that I have issues and I have blind spots, and the people that I minister to have issues and blind spots too. So if you put me on a pedestal, you will be very disappointed. And if I see you and put you on the pedestal, I will be disappointed too. That's why we can't trust in man, because man is man, because we have holes. But I think we need to be aware of it and conscious of it, that we are a broken people, and we are walking among people that are broken. Like I've got stuff from my family tree that I got from my father, my mother, that they got from their parents, and, and I carry that. I've got some stuff that happened to me, and I didn't uh, process that properly, and it influences me and in how I do life. It's the same thing with you. So I need to own up when it comes to my humanity and realize that I'm not perfect, I've got issues, and I need to realize that the people I'm working, walking with are in the same way. And I think this is so huge. Just like what Jesus says, remove the log in your eyes before being the doctor that removes a toothpick in someone else's eyes or, or a little piece of wood in someone else's eyes, right? And so, so we want to own or take ownership. Number six is I need to be filled with the Spirit and to be accountable to His Word. Like I said earlier, it's not about my feeling. It's not about taking offense. It's not about culture. Because culture will say, you know, canceling culture, cancel them out of your life. No, you're led by the Spirit and you're accountable to God's Word. What is God saying? No, the Word of God is not just there when it, to second or to support what we want. The, the word of God is to correct us and show us how we should behave beyond our feelings. And this is where we're called to surrender to him. Matthew chapter 10, verse 39 says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. It's all about surrender. And you surrender to the word of God and you surrender to the leading of the spirit. Number seven, it's, it's our calling. It's not optional. You don't have to pray, should I forgive? You have to forgive. Oh, let me pray on it. Please don't. Maybe pray on how to express it. But it's not a question if God wants. You have to. It's your mandate because we were forgiven so much, so more. And my last point here, it's seeing the big picture. It's to see the big picture. And what, when it comes to offenses, when it comes to struggle, when it comes to what I was going through, it's so easy just to focus on that and lose the big picture. And David gives two examples here. First example, it's verse 2. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the, on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robe. It's a prophetic message of the church that before there would be one um, high priest that was Aaron, now the church, we're a priesthood of believers. But one of the thoughts that you really you need to see here is that Unity or love or lack of love influences everything 
and everyone around you. It goes down from your, the head and it goes to the last part of the garment. And you, you got to realize when pouring oil in biblical time was not a little drop. It was basically a bucket. Like you got drenched when you were poured with oil. Like no one would come to you with, with a flame because you would probably become a flame. Okay? It's a lot of oil. I, I've seen the amount of oil poured on someone and I said, I don't want to have that oil. Like, you, like, like when you, I remember when I was uh, running out of time here. But, but it's a lot of oil. So it, it was poured on his head, on his beard, and went on his garment. Just to say, a lack of unity or unity, or if I rephrase this, a love for someone, no matter what, will influence everything about you, will influence everyone around you. One, one of the things that really drew growth when it came to GMC was unity. There's no fight. You know, one of the values, I don't have a lot of time here, but one of the values that we really fought hard was to have unity. Because we know there's blessing in unity. And, and, and unity is not that we think the same and we're uniform. We choose to go to the temple together. We choose to focus on Jesus together. We choose to focus on the mission together. We're caught up with Jesus beyond being caught up with what we want. We're caught up with Jesus really, really big time. And we go to the temple and we worship God. And all this, God changes us and fashions us and makes us and, and brings things in perspective on what should stay of second value instead of what should be a priority. So unity goes to everyone. The second picture that he gives, he says, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. If you go to Jerusalem, it's, it's dry. Hermon, the Mount Hermon is this where you have snow. Everything comes from there. All the water comes from there and flows down. And, and so David says, imagine if there's unity. It's like there would be rain over Jerusalem. And he's talking here about fertility and growth and so on. You go, at, you go on Jerusalem, it's dry as a bone. You go to Mount Hermon, this is where the rain comes down. This is where it all starts. It feeds the whole valley. So he says, when there's unity, when there's a focus on others, and when we have a love for other people, we're caught up to love other people, there's going to be a blessing like the rain of Hermon or the snow of Hermon. It will come on Jerusalem. You know what Jerusalem is? It's, a tip, it's an image, a type of the church. We're the bride of Christ, like the church, like Jerusalem is the bride of Christ. So that means, and I don't have a lot of time to focus on that, but what it means is that when there's a, a love for others, God blesses it in such a way that where it was impossible to see growth, growth happens. And then to wrap it up, verse 3b, it says, to confirm this, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, blessing even life forevermore. You see, the Lord blesses that. So my challenge for you this morning as I wrap up is that we, we, I pray that we would understand that our calling is to show love no matter what, unconditionally. 
and realize that the only thing that really, really matters is people. It's people. It doesn't matter how they are. They're people, and I'm called to love them as Jesus loved me, continues to love me when I don't deserve him, deserve it, and to be an ambassador of Christ no matter what. Not based on your convenience and your preferences and your convictions, but based on your choice to obey and because you want to be an ambassador for him and to be um, reinformed or renewed when it comes to our calling. It's to love and to show Christ. Amen? Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.